0: Can I just quickly say this? Ooh, yes, I can. Um, I so love, I so love our church, and I love the worship, and I love what God does in and through our worship. I love the the connecting of our, our hearts all together, and we just we go for it. We sing top of our voices. That's why I have <laughs> lost my voice. Um, and we just declare. But can I say you can sing until the cows come home. Let the lion roar. Can I ask you, let the lion roar. See, that's a faith action. That's not a song. And this is how he roars. See, by posturing our hearts, by receiving when he speaks, when he roars, we've let the lion roar. Otherwise, we can sing the song over and over and over and over again and it's still an expectation of him to do something instead of having faith that he is trying to do something amen as we were um as connor was just speaking there i just i saw a picture it's of the cross the finished work of the cross and when jesus said it is finished that was the lion roaring it is finished and when the lion roared after the lion roared then there was an earthquake and the rock split can i encourage you this morning that there's the lion roars through his word this morning let him break the rocks that are in your life, those things that are holding you back, those things that are stopping him from being operating and being able to work in and through your life. Amen. I believe with all my heart. In these last days, I believe there's a challenge that's going out. Last night, I just felt the Lord drop this in my heart. Uh, it's found in One Kings eighteen twenty-one. So this is the title of um, what I want to share this morning. Is One Kings eighteen twenty-one? It's the it's the story. It's a beautiful story about um, Elijah and about the, the prophets of Baal. And we know all that beautiful story, but it starts off in, in, in verse 21. It says, Elijah said this to the people, How long will you go on limping between two opinions? How long will you go on limping between two opinions? Baal was actually the king of the demonics at that stage. And, uh, and so he was declaring to Israel, he was saying, How long will you drift between two opinions? If, if the Lord be God, follow him. It's very interesting, if you go study that, you'll see, he said, if the Lord be God, follow him. Not worship him, follow him. If Baal be God, follow him. And then what's so amazing, what's so beautiful in that understanding is that Elijah uh, says, I'll tell you what, you can go first. So off they go first, the 400 prophets, and they just, they're going for it. They, in, the, in the nature of what they did, they cut themselves, they screamed, they shouted, they went all the way till noon, they did everything they could. They were, Elijah was just helping it on. I, I don't think we read the Bible with a sense of humor. But Elijah was kind of going, maybe he's asleep, maybe he's gone somewhere, let's just... And then after all that, when all of that's happening and there's all this... Sh- Elijah says to the guys, okay, let me show you something. He said, right, let's, he restores the temple... And then he actually digs a moat around it and he pours water all over the wood and pours water in the moat. And then he says, okay, God, be God. And fire comes down from heaven. I I don't even think we fully grasp that. Fire came down from heaven. Fire, real, genuine fire, fire came down from heaven. And we're sitting here today drifting between opinions. Can God or can't He do it? Fire came down from heaven and consumed everything. Let me encourage you here this morning. God's going to work and He's going to move despite whether the environment is, is acceptable or okay for Him. Whether everybody here is like in the right position. Everybody is being... You can speak in tongues until the cows come home. God is going to do what He's going to do. And He's going to do it in His people. And you need to trust Him. The true essence of worship, friends, without trust is not worship. You can sing songs and say a whole bunch of stuff and go, Lord, you're so glorious. But if throughout the week your affections of your heart and your trust is on something else, it's not worship. Worship is when we totally abandon ourselves and trust Him. See, Paul would say it in a different way in 1 Corinthians 1.17, where he said, I was very careful, I didn't want to speak with eloquent words, I didn't want to explain nicely and eloquently, I didn't want to be this wordsmith of beautiful words, I didn't want to be this motivational speaker this morning that will motivate and encourage you, lest I empty the cross of its power. That's what Paul said. This morning what I want to do is say to God, have mercy that I do not empty the cross of its power with fancy or eloquent words, but just to speak the truth, because for too long the church has drifted between two opinions instead of just believing and following the truth. Amen. Thank you for that enthusiasm. This is going to be a long morning, but it's it's all good. So let me tell you the truth this morning, and then you can walk in it to do whatever. Let me, let me just say this. One of the most beautiful things that God has given us is choice. He's given us the ability because He's given us all authority. In our authority, we can choose where we put our yes. We can choose where we come alongside, where we uh, support, where we... we um, Do and join with Him in what He's wanting to do. You have that choice this morning. It's it's the most powerful and most beautiful thing. But it's also a very, very dangerous thing. Because the Bible says that it was not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of Him. Are all going to come to a knowledge of Him? But that's His desire and that's His Word. It doesn't matter that God's desire and His Word is He's given you choice. You can come alongside or you can choose not to. Amen. So what I declare when I speak this morning, it's your choice. My job is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me who has anointed me to preach the gospel. And I believe with all my heart that there's a stirring inside deep within me that that's what God is releasing me into in these last days. The ability to take what He has said, the ability to take His Word, the beauty, the wonder, the gloriousness of His Word, His message, and begin to declare it. As far and as wide as God wants me to. Amen. That gives me a liberty and freedom even as we transition with Con and Jess. It gives me a liberty and freedom not to be tied down into one location, but because the burning heart of God is that He wants to shift lanes for me to do something else. Amen. That's what we call to, friends. We call to be the body of Christ, just shifting, moving as God is leading and as God is declaring. Amen. Amen. That's not to scare you. That's to, that's to encourage you. Um, we're not here for ourselves. We were in, it was never about us. It was always about Him. It's about His kingdom. It's about His will. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth. How many know that the kingdom and heaven are not the same? How many know actually that kingdom is a place? It's not a pop dream. It's not a nice little fantasy world. It's actually a place. Heaven is a place. we know that? I'm going to go there. Unless Jesus comes and then they're going to all become one realm. How many know that, the ki- that heaven and the earth were one realm when everything started in the garden? Read my book. I'll finish it in the next two, three months. Amen. But I, I understand this, that the kingdom is the rule and authority of Christ, of God, and the kingdom is the rule and authority in heaven. So let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your rule and reign, the kingdom of God, come on this earth as it is in heaven. Following Jesus is not a career path, it's the center of our lives and of our everything. And the reality in the gospel is that there are always two the gospel, there are two trees. There is law and grace. There is light and darkness. There is life and there is death. And he says, choose. Choose life. Let me say this. One of the challenges in the church today, not 24-7, but in the church today in general, is that people are vacillating between two opinions. They're vacillating between two things. They're trying to eat from the tree of life and of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're trying to operate in the light and also operate in the darkness. And you see, what happens with that is your life gets totally shaken up. So there's such shaking going on in people all over the place. And You know, busyness is just self-importance. But you know when you get shaken up, those things never mix. So guess what? When you stop shaking. If that's how the music goes in the background. See they don't mix, choose one. So let me start and say this in Genesis chapter one. <laughs> In verse 26 and 27, it said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And he made male and female in his image and in his likeness. It's beautiful. He was made in God's likeness. How many know that God's a spirit? Right? So when when the Bible says he was made in his likeness, he doesn't mean in his bodily likeness because he doesn't have a body. He's a spirit. So we're not, if you just look at one another and say, oh, you look just like me. No, you don't. You're all completely different. It's not about a physical looking alike. So what is he talking about? In the image of God and our likeness has got to do with who he is. It's got to do with God's nature and who he is, right? That's inside of every single one of us, and we become one body and can become and look like Jesus. How many know we're not going to have to, even though the world's trying, get beards and... um, and, uh, and, and, look, and have long hair and begin to look like Jesus. We look like Jesus because we display the character and the nature of who He is. Amen. Let me also drop this out. I don't know if Bill Johnson said this or somebody I was just listening to the other day said this, and it's just so powerful. They said, do you understand that the Bible is not uh, prescriptive but descriptive? When the Bible talks about the nine gifts... That doesn't mean that's prescriptive now of what the Holy Spirit is. He's these nine gifts. He's this, 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 and this. So you come across something that doesn't fit there. Oh, that's a bit of a... No, that's descriptive. It's not defining God. Can you define God? But it is explaining and revealing God to us so we can understand and know who He is, right? Are you with me? So that the, when studying the Bible, we're getting a revelation, understanding of who He is. Not what He can do. So we're made in His image. Talking about His nature, who He is, what He looks—not not what He looks like. So it's got nothing to do with uniformity, race, culture, background. It has got to do with the one who lives inside of us and where every one of us lives from. Amen. That's the unity of the faith. How many know in Ephesians chapter 4, you will see you maintain the unity of the Spirit, but we have to. We're eager to attain the unity of the faith. This is the unity of the faith that I'm talking about this morning. And can we... Get this one also out of the way because it came about because the gospel was preached as some kind of personal benefit. And it was all about us. It was a ticket to heaven. It was my ticket to blessings, my ticket to a good life, my ticket to get the promotion, my ticket to get the parking outside supermarket right in the front. It was my ticket. So faith became a way of getting my ticket. Instead of faith being a perspective in the way we see life, and the way we operate in life, and the way we trust God, and we, the way we uh, um, move and flow in the things of God. So it's not about, my, about me being getting benefits, like almost a transactional thing with God. I've got faith for that. Because then I've got to strive and stress. I've got to grow my faith, get more faith so I can believe not just for the mini. Thank you, Lord, for the mini, But I want to get the actual Ferrari or whatever. And I'm trying to grow my faith. No, what I'm trying to do is get to know Him. See, it's about a relationship. So when I study the Bible, friends, I'm not studying the Bible to find out all the promises of God and how I get them. I'm trying to study and find out who He is so that I can actually get to know Him. Because then my perspective of my faith is to put my trust in who He is and my confidence in Him. And it doesn't matter whether I get the thing or not. Because I'm so in love with Him. One look, one glimpse of Him. Let the lion roar over my life. Let Him come and roar over my life, and everything else is so cool. It's not about now all the things that might happen or not happen. We're so about rightness, we're supposed to be about righteousness. Smile. I'm smiling. I really am smiling. The unity of the faith, one mind, one spirit, one heart. Friends, different passions, different ministries, different giftings, different things that God's called us to do. But one people with one purpose, one plan, and one heart. Amen. 1 Timothy 1 verses 5. It was, it was a big thing that was plastered over our front wall. Celeste is here. She was one of the ones that helped uh, paint it on the front wall of our church a little while back. I can find Timothy, hello Timothy, there you are. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, just very quickly. The aim of our charge is love. For those studious scholars, um, some of the translations will say the goal of our instruction. Uh, let me just say the aim or goal there, it's the Greek word telos. The Greek word telos simply means the conclusion or the end of. The end of the instructions, the end of the goal, the conclusion of everything wrapped up into one is simply this, love that issues from a pure heart and a good uh, conscience and a sincere faith. The aim, the whole aim is love. It's the whole point of everything is love. We were created in the image of God. We were created and designed in His likeness. We were created to be love. That is your and my identity finished and clear. Game over, I was created to be love. So as I live in this life, my responsibility is just to be who I am, and that's love. Amen. The whole purpose of the cross is to restore men and women back to the image of God. see, if that, if that doesn't happen, then we make this thing about us and we carry on circling the wagons of hurt, brokenness, messed up lives, and never ever get to the place where we can actually deliver what Jesus Christ has promised and given us, which is divine enablement, it's called grace, to walk in the miraculous and the supernatural of God. It should be as natural as breathing for the people of God, if they will take hold of this and understand and you're astounded. Understand it, it's outstanding. Otherwise, what happens in the life of the church is we continue to be offended, discouraged, angry, continue to treat our spouses with the silent treatment, and making sure everyone knows whether I'm happy or unhappy with what's going on. You see, love takes no account of wrong done to it. That's the Bible, friends. That's truth. It's not psychology. That's truth. Ask yourself this question. Did Jesus have any wrong done to him? Was he treated unjustly? Could there be anyone who was treated more wrongly because he was perfect without sin? To be treated like he was, was definitely something that we could say was on the top end of the scale of unjust. Yet he did not react or respond, and it did not change who he was and his life. Wow. He just loved. Can I also say this? This is going to go, I'm sorry, just turn the notch up. You can fix it whenever you feel like it. Uh, my last time I'm preaching as a, as a lead elder, so um, I'm just going to turn it up a little bit. Let me say this, I wonder in Jesus' life if he was going through all this stuff and all these the rejections and people accusing him and shouting at him and telling him a whole bunch of stuff and going through, I wonder if Jesus uh, in his day didn't go, you know what, come to the end of the day, John, don't you want to just come and sit with me by the table? I just want to share... Some of the stuff that I've done throughout this day. Yeah, people, oh, yo, the rejection and the hurt. Let me just share because I need, I need to get this off my chest. I need somebody to help me just process this. It must be hard for him. I didn't have anyone to do that with. Just maybe sometimes we believed a lie that that whole process actually is just a lack of faith. I'm smiling. <laughs> I'll dive a bit deeper. Just maybe those hurts and those feelings and those rejections are not of faith. And Jesus said, follow me. So for me, it's, I think I better look at his life and just see, okay, if he wasn't able to do that, Now, hear me right. I'm not saying you can't go to somebody and begin to share and they can help you. I'm just saying, Jesus said, follow me. Not pray to me, not worship me, not do flick-flacks for me. Follow me, right? What's an amazing truth for me is that truth itself came to this world and stood and spoke. And the Bible says that he came to his own and they knew him not. And when he spoke, they said he was lying. The challenge here today is whether you will accept and take truth and dare to put your faith to it and dare to believe. I believe this is the end time, church. I'm in deep water. I'm just going to keep swimming, if you don't mind. Um, I don't know if just our phones do it, but let me just say this. Um, At the end of every single week, my phone gives me a little report. It says, your usage for this week is 5.7 hours per day on average or whatever. Can I just encourage you about this? That that little report that comes every single week, can you realize that you get a little report from the Lord every single week as well? You have met with me 3.7 minutes every single day, can I ask you this simply this, if we really realize what we're doing and we want to make the choice, can I tell you right now, as I hopefully we'll get to it, what's the time, um, is that there is a battle that is going on for your life and that battle is actually between your ears. The battlefield is in the mind and can I say what I'm trying to share and speak this morning will be processed through this guy here. And this guy here can stop truth and stop the Word of God. The most powerful thing on this planet is the Word of God. And the Word of God can be made of no effect by what we process in our minds. That's powerful. That's quite scary. So I want to encourage you, and I want to say this, that this guy, if you're using him Five point seven hours of every single day, and you're spending three hours with the Lord every single day. I'll just ask you who's winning. Who's winning? Surely we want to say whatever we our usage of our phone is, can we make sure that our time with the Lord is more? You go, but I do my whole business through this phone. And got quiet in this Presbyterian church at the moment. Okay. Jesus was so bold to say this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Then he goes on to say, follow me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says, follow me. If Jesus said, follow me, surely then, Jesus doesn't say anything that you can't do. Surely then he's saying, you can look like me and you can look like the Father. Right? Right? I'll move faster. John fourteen twelve says this, if Jesus if Je- Jesus said if uh, yeah Jesus said if the things the things that I do will you do also if you believe then belief is the issue. Amen. Okay, so let me just throw out some 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 nice scriptures that will just confirm what I'm trying to say, and then I'll jump into. Something heavy. Um, the Bible says in Romans 8, we are pre- predestined to be conformed to His image. In 1 John 2 verse 6, it says, the word says, if any man abide in me, he ought to walk in the same way in which I walked. So these are scriptures now. This is the truth declaring to us That we were made in his image, that that image was lost, and that Jesus came to restore it back. And Jesus declared over us and spoke to us and says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, now follow me, so I can do the same thing. And if I'm going to abide in him and I'm going to live in Christ, then the way he walked, I should also walk in exactly the same way. Right? And if I believe, then I will be able to do the same things that he did. Believe. It's got to have been possible. See, we call to be believers. How many know that a believer's natural thing to do is what? Believe. See, Jesus. This is not. This is completely all wrapped up. This is for the. This is one hundred and one dummies for, or, how to do Christianity for dummies. Right? Is that we are believers. So we all we need to put our faith that as a believer, naturally, what I do is, which comes naturally to me, is believe. Call to be believers to deny ourselves. And when we say deny ourselves, that's not just deny the chocolate cake. What I'm saying is deny our thinking. Pick up our cross and follow Him. Are we walking in the light, manifesting Christ? Or ask yourself this question Does your life make people thirsty? See, the reason is for a lot of the time in the church is that we're, we've got mixed up. We're shaking between the two of denying ourselves and operating in Him and His identity and who He is and, and, and also operating in our own identity, identity and our own plan and purpose and trying to fulfill that. You can't do both, church. It's getting shaken. Just choose Him. Choose to, to, to live and to, to move in the identity that Christ paid for you, which I'm about to tell you. Otherwise, we sit there and then all we do is um, we tip God dependent on how well He's serving up on our plates. If the steak's really good, get a better tip. Colossians 2 says this, He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in Him. Psalms 34.10, I lack no good thing. So I'm complete in Jesus and I lack no good thing. Can we live in that now? Yes, we can, but it takes believing. It takes stepping out and trusting that what he said was actually true. Amen? I have oneness with God. I have forgiveness of all my sins. I have new life through Jesus Christ. I have new hope, mercies, new grace, new future. There's nothing stopping me now but my believing. So I can wake up in the morning and have my spouse, my friends, my church, my past, my experiences be my barometer. And then I'm only as good as they are treating me. So when I wake up in the morning, what is your and my barometer? Is your my barometer how my spouse treated me last night, how my friends are treating me, how the church is treating me? Because then I, my whole life operates only on dependent on how they are treating me. And I didn't know the Bible said that they were Lord. Or I can just wake up to be like Him and to be what He paid for and to live in the identity that Christ paid for me. Amen. You see, you can't break my heart because you never fixed it. Jesus fixed my heart so my heart's not open to be broken I think that's probably needs to go down weight here but I'll I'll leave that for now see it doesn't matter with I'm lovable or not lovable or whether I'm doing the right thing or not doing the right thing I have my fullness in Jesus Christ. I didn't wake up to be loved. I, waked, I woke up to be loved. So it doesn't matter whether I'm loved or not loved. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm very content. I'm full. I'm loved. Loved by Him. I'm secure. There, we've already won the victory. I'm just moving towards triumph. I'm already in victory. So I'm already celebrating who I am in Jesus Christ, Right? Right? So our general calling, which is wrapped up in the identity of God, is sons and daughters of God. As sons and daughters of God, we have an identity in Him, in him. not an identity about a whole bunch of stuff that's been done to me or what I've lived in, but an identity that's found on the cross in Jesus Christ instantaneously. When I gave my life to Him, I became the righteousness of God. I became a man forgiven. I became a man with a new future, a new hope. I became a man with the mind of Christ. Everything is actually done. I'm actually just trying to outwork, which Christ has already done. I'm not trying to achieve anything. I already have it. That's why I'm so happy. Right? See, that's why the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's it's such a joy. For the joy set before me, I just endured the cross. Jesus saw the finished work. You and I are supposed to see the finished work, realize it's finished. What God's done in my life is finished. It's complete. Now what I want to do is live it out. I want to walk it out. I want to be His image. I want to be love in the world that I live in, so that I can display His goodness, so I can bring glory to His name. Amen. I'm so secure. That doesn't matter. You can take me home now, or you can let me live on this earth, but I'm so secure because you can't kill me because I'm immortal. Oh, flip. I said immortal. Friends, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you dead, yet shall you live. And though you die, though you live, you shall never die. You will never die because you won one with life itself. Come on, life itself is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the, 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 the life, uh, and, and, which is the light of the world. Friends, you don't hide light. You shine light. God calls us to shine. How are we supposed to shine if we constantly? Come on. See, we have oneness with the Lord. We have the mind of Christ because Christ is the head of His body. And that's how it operates. See, as we, one, understand this very quickly. That there there is, we are body, soul, and we are spirit. And the way God operates is that we have been divinely changed, transformed in our spirit man. We are now a new creature in Christ. My spirit man now is operating and dominating my soul area so, so my spirit and soul can rule my body. My body itself doesn't need to uh, um, have too much attention done to it because it doesn't actually lead itself. It has to be led by something. And so I want it to be led by my spirit, not my, just my soul. So everybody who's, who, whose lives were before they were saved was dead and their spirit man and their soul was just ruling their body. And the body just operates with what I like or what I don't like. Right? So Romans chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3 is a, is a great example of uh, the outworking of what I'm trying to say here, uh, the identity of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, 3, let me just read it quick to la- land a scripture. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We present our bodies holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is our spiritual worship. We, we, you present your body. You just tell your body and you present it. You don't have to deal with anything there. You crucify the flesh. You just deal with it and you say, listen, I'm presenting you. It's not just here, here's my body. It's your life. You're giving your life. It's an act of worship because it's a surrender to God. Amen. And then he says... um Do not be conformed to this world. There is a a battle going on in the world today. Let me say this. There is a battle going on in the world today. It's a greater pandemic than anything COVID. COVID looks silly compared to this battle. In fact, COVID is an expression of this battle. And this battle is called your identity in Jesus Christ. There is a battle going on for people's identity. And the battle going on for people's identity is between their ears. Even right now, friends, we've got people that, will, that God will bless you. Are, you were beautifully, uniquely, and wonderfully formed in the womb. And then you will come out of the womb. You'll be birthed. And however you were created when you were born is not good enough for you to identify with. You must now have a process and wait to see what you identify with. That's how crazy this pandemic, and it's so contagious in the church today as well, people just not knowing who they are in Jesus Christ, not knowing their identity in Jesus, what Jesus Christ did. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when God begins to speak, when God begins to declare, when God begins to show you your identity and wants you to walk in it, it's processed through this guy here And this guy here was trained in another place. He was trained in another world. He was trained to operate in feelings and emotions. He was not trained to operate by faith. So what we've got to do now is faith has got to have the banks and the channel and the context within which it can operate so that the body and the spirit can achieve and do what God designed them to do. You as a Christian cannot operate in your calling and what God's called you to do if you don't have a renewed mind, because your faith has no banks, like a river with banks to operate and to flow in a context for God to begin to work. Otherwise, you will keep uh, uh, breaking down what God is trying to do. The design, the plan, the purpose operates with the, the hard drive working in line with what it was designed for, right? <sighs> Amen. Said that so fast so I was like, okay. Let me leave that. It goes on to say, let me just quickly it says, by the renewing of your mind that test, that by testing you may um, discern what the will of God is, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. Just very quickly, good, acceptable, perfect will. Those on three different wills of the Lord. Um, we're not gonna go for the acceptable. I'll just go for the the lowest one. Those are all the three words of the same. It's the will of God, right? But how do you prove the will of God? By renewing your mind so that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit can operate, so that faith can be released, so that your body can come into line, so that you can experience the oneness and the truth of what uh, what the Lord has done in your life, so that signs, wonders, and miracles and things can change and operate through your life and you can prove, oh, that's the will of God. You see, if your mind is, well, you know, suffering and sickness, whatever, uh, the Lord, it's as He wills. And sometimes, you know, He puts it on people and sometimes He does this. If that's your mindset, then friends, when you now come to begin to operate and you want to lay hands on the sick, now you're praying saying, I wonder, is it His will? Isn't it His will? And I don't know, has this person got sin? And, and so I'm not sure and what have you. And the person doesn't get healed and we go, oh, yeah, well, you see, that he never got healed. No, because your mind, the context for, when, for faith to flow was, uh, was believing a lie. So now when your mind is believing faith, the context is yes, of course. It's the nature and the character of God. Friends, I don't have to go and pray for the sick because I've studied the Word and got all the Scriptures and I understand and know now how I can redeem all that. I have to know who He is. I have to know that He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the healer. I know who He is. I know His nature. I know what He wants to do. I know that He's not... Uh, uh, drifting between two things. I know that every single time I don't have to pray or decide whether he wants to heal. I know he wants to heal and when I come in that authority the banks of the river, my faith flows freely and powerfully to the situation and then it proves the will of God because the guy jumps out of the wheelchair in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, what happens is, oh, I've got some. Yeah. Luke has changed so much. I remember in the early days when he was a small kid, he'd go, no, you haven't got time. Stop. (laughs) Now he's going, yes, come on. Okay. Amen. It's all good. Because let me just, let me say this. What happens to the people of God is we find our identity in yesterday. As the people of God, we find our identity in yesterday. See, we've all got stories, hurts, failures, mess ups. But let me ask you this simple question. All those failures, all those mess-ups, all those stories, what have they got to do with now? I'm telling you, this will set you free from a lot of money paying for counselors. (laughs) What has all those things got to do with now? Why do they matter now? See, those things are not supposed to be speaking to your identity and who you are at all, because it doesn't change who you are. Right now, who you are in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what happened in my past. But but right now, I'm feeling a bit down, I'm feeling a bit negative, I'm feeling a bit hurt because of what happened, and so I'm letting my past now dictate who I am. But Jesus Christ is saying, but I died for your past. Romans 8, 32, 32, 37, where it says, What can separate you from the love of God? Neither life, nor death, nor angels, uh, principalities. Neither the present or the future. He left something out. The past. Because he assumed you would understand the past was taken care of. You see, your past cannot speak to your identity because your identity is not found in something. It's found in Jesus Christ. And has he changed? Has anything changed with him? Your identity is in him. I look to my identity right now. You see my past. What we do with our past is we live in a linear world. Let me share this very quickly. In a linear world, in a line, your past, is what we do is put a pin in it. So what happens with Christians, they want to be very spiritual and religious, and so they'll put a pin where they got saved. So most Christians, as the pastors before I got saved. BC days in, on, <laughs> before Christ and then after Christ. And we put this pin in and we say no. So then what happens is now we look through the same lenses with the Bible and everything is read through that. So I said, oh, no, God forgives us. Yeah, He forgives us up until we got saved. After that, now we're in big trouble because now we've actually had a, we've got a renewed mind. We're, we're renewed. We're, not, we're different people, so whoa. Now he's going to treat us differently. Let me ask you this simple question. Where is the past in heaven? It's exactly the truth. See, where is the past in eternity? See, Jesus broke into a linear place. But he lives in a place where there is nothing else but now. See, so what does the Bible say? Now faith is. Now faith is. What's the past? Anything behind now. So I died for anything behind now. So when you stand before the Lord, it's now. I'm standing before, before Him in the now. God says, I am the great. I am. I am. It's a now. And in the now, in Jesus Christ, I am been redeemed. Everything has been taken care of. He didn't just cancel the debt. He nailed it to the cross. It's over. It's finished. It's done. Everything of, of what I've done in my past is gone in the now. So if I have that, then in the now, faith is. I can have faith because I'm in the now, looking into the future, not letting those things speak at all or have a voice, except the cross and the finished work of the cross in my life. Amen. Woo. See, identity cannot be through yesterday. It it's only can be found in Jesus Christ. Woo. We find ourselves, you see, we want to find ourselves through one another. I'm only doing as well as how things are going with one another. How's it going? How's your marriage going? I'm only doing as well as Jane's doing. And Jesus is going, no, that's very dangerous. Because it's dictated then to how Jane's doing. And my life is then very much up and down. <laughs> Anyone want to invite me for lunch? Anybody? Anybody want to invite for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> we share our stories with one another and we find ourselves through one another whoo should I go let's go I'm doing a kind of thing let's go okay because I said should he go and he never says no okay I won't go so I'm just gonna go no let me just say this what we love to do and hear me what I'm saying you don't hear what I'm not saying but we love to go to one another and we love to share our stories what we do is we're bonding because we're getting to know one another so there's actually a relationship forming here but is it dealing with the situation? Woo. Because the answer is not to bond with the story. The answer is to take the person to the truth and let them begin to declare and speak and walk in the truth. The, the answer is not found in the story. It hurts it breaks my heart. Jesus it broke his heart, but he never cried for himself. He cried in compassion. For those around him that were broken and that were hurting. But he didn't leave them there. He would take them to the truth so the truth can set them free. How many know uh, uh, John chapter 8, verse 32? It says, um, if you'll know the truth, it'll set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. How many know whom the Son sets free is free indeed? So when Jesus said it's the finished work of the cross and it's finished, the sun sets free, it's free indeed. That means it's completely free, it's done. So every single one of us, the sun sets you free on the cross. So it's a done deal. You are free, right? But if you know the truth, it'll set you free. Oh, So I am free, but if I believe a lie, if I don't know the truth, I can live in bondage even though i'm completely free this new identity in christ is completely free free from what not from tax and free from yourself the greatest enemy of freedom is yourself five minutes see there's so many things that dictate and tell us who we are instead of trusting the word and trusting the lord and walking in what he said you are. And let me just say this very quickly. I'll say that who we are. How many know uh, Genesis? Yes. Galatians 3, 28. It says that we are all one. We're all sons. Let's get over it. We got over being a bride. We're all sons, right? So it's crazy that the Bible some guys are trying to translate now to make it gender. You know. Oh, shut up. Um <laughs> We're all sons. God's trying to explain something, whether you're a daughter, a son, whatever. That. Because in Christ Jesus, you are one. Go and read it, Galatians 3.28. And it says, in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's not slave or free man. There's neither male or female. So in Jesus Christ, your identity is not a gender-related thing. It's a, it's a, it's a God-given uh, uh, To every single one of us, no matter who we are, we're all the same. We have the same identity in God, same value, same everything else. However, even though you have that, there are also the plan, the purposes, and the designs of God in our lives. But we don't find our identity in those things. We find our identity in Him, right? I don't find my identity in the plan, the design that God said, okay, be the lead elder. Because when He says, I don't want you to be the lead elder anymore, I'm shattered, and I'm not, because I'm excited, because my identity is not found in what I do, it's found in who He is, right, so it doesn't matter my plan and the purpose of what I do, it can change all the time, but it's, it's significant that we operate in the design and operate in the truth of what His plan and His purpose is for our lives, amen, so when He says something like this, I'm just, I'm shooting all over now, no problem, um, when he says something like this, husbands, they're head of the home. Just you see, in order for you to operate in the design that God's called you to, in order for you to operate the purpose and the plans of God in your marriage, you have to rise up and be head of the home. And let me tell you this right now. Say it categorically. It's recorded. You might not realize it right now, but in the corporate world, there is such a move for um, them to change all the top people in the corporate world to ladies. All the CEOs, as guys are, are changing over, whatever they say, has to be a lady, has to be a lady. You heard this, didn't hear this from me. Um, no. no, listen, talking to all the top corporate guys, there is a real, um, and there's a real move uh, in South Africa, a real move for a woman to rise up. And I am 100% behind the move for women to rise up. But I am 100% not in line with women rising up at the expense of men losing who they are. Because if a man loses his identity, it's no good that the woman's finding hers. Because the only reason why you get a Jezebel is because you've got a Ahab. Amen. The Bible says to the husbands in in, in Ephesians 5, love your wives. It doesn't tell the wives to love their husbands. Why? Why? Because if the husbands would love their wives, it would be automatic. The wives would just love their husbands. See, you have to, every single one of them have to rise up and fulfill the destiny and the call that God's got over our lives. I have to be the head of my home in order for that design to function well, in order for my, my marriage to function well. Otherwise, what happens, what happens in our marriages is that men, they, 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 they know the truth and they realize it. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, you need to switch off YouTube or or, um, or some of these other disgraceful uh, uh, sermons, whatever we're... Now, let's go and analyze, and let's discuss the word uh, head. It's simply kefali. It means, it means authority, actually. So it doesn't change that you're co-equal. I've just told you what your identity is, and there's no male or female in it. But if you can operate in marriage, there has to be a head. In order for a marriage to operate properly. So a woman... I kind of want to encourage you, like, get over it. It's God's design. Speak to him, not, not us. So what happens is now that's the truth. Now a man wants to rise up and be the head of his home, and then a woman, she wants to now go, and, 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 and now she wants to uh, oppress or whatever, because that's also in the Bible, um, and rob him of his, because that's why I said, tell the woman, honor. You need to honor, because her default is, don't need to tell the man he just automatically does that. Adam was just like, yeah, yeah, darling, whatever you want. Yes, eat the apple. Sure, love you, beautiful. Anyway, that's the side issue. Um, so, what happens is, so what happens is now a man begins to rise up in his authority. Then the woman rises up. Then the man starts to doubt himself and thinks, hold on a minute. And then the devil starts to put lies into his head. And he starts to say, listen, no, hold on a minute. You're not actually qualified. You don't have the skills. You're not actually spiritually good enough. It doesn't matter. Whether you're not spiritually better than your wife. It doesn't matter that you're not spiritually uh, uh, got it all together or got the skills. It matches what the truth says. And the truth says you rise up. But if you don't rise up, then your wife rises up. Then you get a Jezebel and an Ahab. Because it, what happens is Ahab is a very passive individual. who, And Jezebel rises up. And simply with a Jezebel, it's, it's authority. She just rises up independently as if she's not even married. She just rises up and she just takes control. And she's very controlling and manipulative. So you have a lot of people in marriages say that the wife is controlling, manipulative, and wears the pants. Because All it is simply is because the husband hasn't risen up in truth and understanding and taken authority and begin to lead his wife, whether he's spiritually more mature or not. See, that's going down well. Um, <laughs> come on. See, can I, can I simply say this? The world is not needing another church service. The world is not needing another church service. What the world is needing is the church to rise up and to be loved. What the world needs is love. See, it needs you to just be going around ministering the love of God to people. Instead of all... It, just, it actually needs love. It's, it's shush. Stop being so important. Bring yourself down. Humble yourself and actually just love that person. Because it's love that will lead to repentance. Amen. Oh, there's so much, Lord. Oh, I could say. Just another very quick one is two also. It's a, very, it's a big topic, but let me just say it. Um, can I just simply say this? The answer to all our hurts and our brokenness or things that have happened in our lives Is to encounter Jesus and get a revelation of your identity that you have been forgiven. Once you realise that you have been forgiven of every single thing, you can operate and you can walk in forgiveness. So we've got people in the church saying, "No, I'm battling. I can't. It's it's quite difficult for me to to um, to forgive. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to forgive. If you're trying to forgive, then you're not forgiving." And I say the answer to that simply is the the challenge is that you have not received the full forgiveness of God over your life. The reason why a lot of men don't love, by the way, is because the Bible says you need to love as you love yourself. Half of them don't love themselves. See, forgiveness, friends, once you understand that you've been forgiven and God's taken care of everything, why would you want to hold anything against anybody else? So when you come to church, you don't carry any issues anymore. You don't carry unforgiveness. You don't carry hurt. You don't carry... You're not that anymore. You've, your identity is now found in Christ. I don't have issues. Because I've just... I'm love. I don't keep a record of any wrongs. People that can do harm to me and it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't matter. So I never, I never get hurt. I'm insulated. I never get hurt. I never get depressed. I never get discouraged. I never, I, you can't break me. Woo. So how does the enemy... And get in with lies and deception, yeah. Oh, <laughs> see, it doesn't matter. Can I say this in, our, in the kingdom of God, in the walk in the Lord, everything must just continue, continue, continue. We, when we get filled with the Spirit, it's not an event, we continually get filled with the Spirit. When we, we, we're getting to know Jesus and we're walking in the knowing of Him, it's a continual thing because you can know God, you can have been uh, in the Lord for, for 20 years, and the enemy can come and he can start to bombard you with a lie, and it's uh, Mark chapter 7 where Jesus said this, the, you guys, you preach these traditions that make the Word of God of no effect, Right? So we can preach these lies and these things that are illegitimate thoughts and, uh, or, or, or allow them to attack our mind, which can actually undermine the most powerful thing on this earth, which is the Word of God. So we have to be very careful and constantly being aware. And that's where, I don't know if you guys listened to Bill Johnson's message. Um, he was talking about um, the mind of Christ and, and all of that. He was just sharing about the, the, the armor of God. And one of the armor of the God is the shield of faith, right? It's faith that extinguishes. See, faith is anchored in the Word of God. It's anchored in the nature of God. And so when you lift up that shield of faith, then those fiery darts of illegitimate lies and thoughts come, and then it's extinguished by faith. Right? Even the sword sword of the Spirit, that word there means it's a short little knife. It's not a washbuckling musketeer thing. It's a a short little one. Why? Because what happened is the arrows were hitting. they, They would just dig them out and pop them out. The Spirit... See, if you've got faith, that's stopping the arrows and then the spirit can just pop them out. Because truth, <laughs> truth just stops all the lies. But when those lies come and bombard us, what we do is we allow that lie to just come and to land. And when it lands a little bit, how, how does it land? It lands when we give it time. I mean, we listen to so many stupid things like, you no, know, time heals everything garbage. Jesus is the healer of everything. Time does not heal everything. Time allows you to put it into its little boxes and put it under the carpet. So when it comes, a lie comes in our minds, if we dwell on it, which means you give it time, you give it confession, you you, you start to analyze. Analytical mind is not from God. As much as I love accounting, uh, debits and credits, that's not how God works. Adam and Eve never sat there. They didn't have any reference. They didn't have a history. They had nothing. They just, ha, huh, whoa, this is a great body. How did I get you? I don't know. But they didn't look and say, God said, listen, can you name the animals? Well, let me just analyze that. When you mean animals, are you meaning these hairy things and this stuff that's walking around there? What does that mean? What is no, they didn't know. They just trusted. Right? It's the analytical mind. So you don't analyze. You don't let it land. Can I say also, when lies come, you need to address the lies. You need to immediately address them. You need to take authority over them. Don't give it time. Otherwise, the lie lie takes root, and when the lie takes root, what happens is, because now you've given it time, the lie puts its roots down into your personality, and into your actions. So now you listen to a lie, you give it time, you think about it, and, and a lie, in order for a lie to be fruitful, you have to have other lies to feed the lie. So you sit there and you analyze. You know what the Bible says? Just by the way, just very quickly. The Bible says simply this. I'm landing, I promise. The Bible says simply this. It says, if you ought against your brother, then go to your brother. Not let me go to somebody here and let's just have a chat and let's now talk about this thing, whatever, in between us. We'll try and analyze. We'll work it out, whatever, and, that, and we'll pray for them. And pray for me, please, just that I will get over this hurt and this. No, the Bible says go to your brother. Why? Because if there's something there, then speak to your brother and begin to work it out with your brother and bring truth to the situation. Because what happens for a lot of us is when we go and we're with people on the counseling, you're only hearing one side of the story. You're not hearing both sides. So go to the person who the story is. That's why we go to Jesus. Adam and Eve in the garden should have gone to Jesus. Hey, by the way, this is what he said. Not let's have a conversation with the devil who's telling me a lie. Right? So we don't give it an ability to take root. Because if it takes root, it takes root into our personality, which changes who we are and it changes our actions towards someone. That's why I'm saying, in your walk with the Lord, you can be 20 years old. You can, be, you can have a relationship or a friendship or whatever it is with somebody for 10 years, but if you believe a lie, that thing can change like that. See, so when we walk with the Lord, what I'm trying to explain to us is that our minds are vital. And I've landed, I promise I've landed. Let me, um, I'll take that away so I don't... Um, <laughs> I just want to read. I want to read Philippians one. Just you go there. You end with this. It's beautiful. Um, Is that God wants us to walk in our identity in Him, and if we are to walk in our identity in Him, I promise you, if you get this completely right, nobody ever again will come with any issues or any hassles in their life. And I have issues and hassles, so I'm putting my hand up and saying, I'm not saying I'm there, but I'm saying the reason being is because I'm complete in God. There is nothing short in my life. I didn't wake up today with something missing. Um, there's nothing missing. I'm complete in Him. I have everything I need. He's forgiven me. That's why when we, if you we understand this as the people of God, we, if we get a, a, an understanding that we've been forgiven of all our sins, they're not speaking anymore. I can operate with such authority and such power, right? Right. Amen, God. Okay, let me just do 27 or something. Here's my classes. Listen to this. Just, this. This just sums everything up. In verse uh, Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? Straight away you can see there's a family and unity thing. We're striving side by side for the faith of The gospel, we're contending for the faith of the gospel to believe who we are and to operate in how God's designed and called us to, amen. Not frightened at anything, amen. This kind of people that understand their identity don't have fear. Why would you be afraid? See, if you if you you understand this, there's no, these people aren't afraid. They're secure, whether I live or die, for me to die is gain. There's no fear here. I don't, I, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of Matt, what he might, whether he would do... I don't want to use you, Jen, sorry. Um, I thought I could get in trouble. Um, Matt, I'm, No, no I, I'm not afraid because he, he can't do anything to me. He can't hurt me. He can't, he, all I can do is love him. My life is not dependent on what Matt is doing. Oh, anyway... Um, not frightened in anything by my... This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. But it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Oh, I didn't go there today. But there's a wonderful illustration that actually, the truth of the matter is that as we walk in in Christ, we're going to have some challenges and things, and, and there'd be some, some situations. So we do suffer because there's, a, there's things that happen in our lives, but it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change my countenance. It doesn't change how I operate, how I see you, what I do. Jesus said this. He says, Father, forgive them they don't know what they're doing. What He's trying to tell us in our identity in Christ, it's see the way God sees them, and then we can pray and say, Father, forgive them. They don't actually know what they're doing. They don't see who they really are. They don't see uh, the identity in you. So I don't, they don't wobble when they do that to me. I cry out and I pray and I say, Lord, change them. Amen. You see, when these attacks come and when things come against us, what we, we do first and foremost is to stand thee with thanksgiving. It sounds like scripture, doesn't it? And everything give thanks. Thank you, Lord, that I have been washed in the blood. Thank you that I have been redeemed. Thank you that you see me holy. Thank you that you see me blameless and above reproach. See, that's faith now not, oh, Lord, please help me now, whatever. Lion, come and, uh, and, and, and do this and that for me. The lion came, by the way. And I'm not knocking our band in what we sang. I'm just saying the lion's already come, right? Even though he comes all the time. Um, and then it says, have this mind that's in, in, in Christ. Have this mind in you. And then it's so beautiful. It says, if there's any encouragement in the Lord, any comfort, any love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look, off, look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have the mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and, um, and being obedient even to the point of death. Wow. So what's the reality here? The reality is I mustn't think of myself more highly than I ought to. So I I have to be careful here because pride actually is an identity problem. So I come back into my identity in God. I don't think more highly than I ought to. And then in my identity in God, I've called to be loved. So now my, my responsibility is actually to love people. That's what I do. I just simply love him. I have this humility in my heart. So the only way that the enemy can stop me is trying to make me arrogant and to think more highly of myself than I ought to and, and also to stick the lies in my head that begins to tell me, no, you haven't been forgiven or no, um, that, that, that hurt now. you just got to give it time um, because time is going to heal it. And actually, that, that person was very naughty to you and broke your heart. And then you have to, don't go and say, phone a friend, and then go to somebody now and begin to regurgitate all the stuff and say, you need to pray for Susie. She's terrible. She has hurt me so and what have you. What you need to do is first and foremost go to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. They're not seeing I want to say, I want to thank you for who I am, first and foremost. I'm giving you thanksgiving. Thank you that I've been washed in the blood. Thank you that I'm I'm, I'm righteous. Thank you that you see me perfect uh, and blameless and above reproach. And then also I begin to rejoice that that's no longer me. See, it sounds like another scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. I can begin to rejoice of who I am. But I begin to pray for them now and say, I can love them in that. Because they haven't, haven't hurt me. I didn't get up this morning for them to love me. Amen. Shall we stand. I could carry on and on and on. Now I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish that this could be something you just go lay hands on on people, and on heads. But actually, um, I think, and can I say this carefully? But I think we've got so ministry orientated that we, we're always running to somebody pray for me because I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm battling. I'm not feeling great. I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. We don't operate by feelings. We operate by faith. What we need actually more than anything else is truth so they can set us free. Then it is hands laid on. And also, if you if you can find me a scripture in the Bible that it says we pray uh, to feel good, um, then yeah, I would welcome it. Um, because other, if, God, if God had to give that scripture, then every single one of us would be operating on feelings. We operate by faith, and operate by faith—faith faith in God, faith in the Word of God, faith in the nature and the character of God. So, I want to pray today, not not as a as a blanket thing, but I want us to just ask the Lord to, in the quietness, just another couple of minutes, that's all. Just in the quietness, first and foremost, just quiet in our hearts and say, Lord, where have I believed Allah? Where have I allowed the enemy to speak into my identity and who I am? And I would address also I felt when I was preparing for this also to husbands. Husbands, just, just take a look in there and just say, listen, you know what? I'm so busy at work, I, I, um, you know, I don't have time, whatever, and that I just I give everything to my wife. She, she does everything. Well, I just want to encourage you, don't come to me for counseling about your marriage because I will just bring you back to the truth and say that marriage is never going to work until it brings into line with the design and the purpose and the plan of God. And you have to go back and you have to rise up and be the head of the home. That doesn't mean the boss. It doesn't mean you dictate. It doesn't mean you begin to, you know, just push your wife down. What it does mean is that you take authority, because headship means authority. You take authority over your family, and you begin to love your wife like Christ loves the church. And you begin to lead your wife, because that's the design. And the wife will just automatically love you and submit and flow with what God's design. I believe you fit into God's design, Holy Spirit. Comes and does the rest. So for husbands, just to stand and to say, Listen, have I abdicated? Have I allowed my wife to uh, really just about do everything? And, and have I believed a lie that I'm inadequate or she's more spiritual than me or she's more better equipped to do this thing? Well, I, I want to just use these profound two words stop it. I want you to believe the word of God this morning. I want to allow the word of God to work in your marriages, in your life as husbands. Um, I think the Lord's very happy with the wives, so I I didn't feel anything with the wives. (laughs) But uh, I just just also felt in our lives, in our lives in the church. Now, I'm for, by the way, just so you know, I'm for counseling. I'm for people coming and getting help. But I want to encourage you that every counsel, if it doesn't take you back to the truth, then you're just going to stay in that thing. And it's going to be a perpetual cycle of hurt. Because you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is that you're going to get tripped up. The enemy is going to give you a flashback of something that happened, something that Damien did to me. He just swore at me. And he said this, whatever. And now, now Max is totally free. And she feels all good, whatever. And then he gives a flashback. And Damien's swearing at her again. And now she's all hurt again and back in that place. And there's just this big cycle going round and round and round and round. And Max has to come to the truth, to the Word of God, and say, shame. Damien doesn't really understand who he is. And that who he is doesn't speak to his wife like that. So I'm just going to pray. Pray for him to get a revelation of, who he, of a husband and what that means, etc., etc. <laughs> so let me pray. So, Father, I want to pray. First and foremost, I do want to pray for marriages here today. I want to pray, Lord God, that we we have maybe gone out of our design. And, I, and I, I'm, again, not speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself and everyone. Where we may have abdicated because of tiredness, because we're busy at work, or we, we're, we're the breadwinner, or we earn, or whatever. Um, I just, we just repent. Because repentance is, is supposed to be a lifestyle in the church. It's not a negative, it's not, woo you must be a bad guy, you have to repent. No, it's it's actually, we need to repent, go back to the highest place, to the place of the truth of the Word of God. So we repent, Lord God, and we just bring that back into line. If there's anything, Lord God, that we haven't seen today, then show us. But I thank you, Father, that marriages, well, I speak life and health and blessing. The lion is roaring over marriages right now. In order for the lion to roar, in order for the roar to accomplish it, we as the people of God need to get into the design, the purpose, and the plan of God. And so stop believing the lies of the enemy. They want to tell us, no, it works like this or works like that. No, it works according to the truth, which is his word. I also want to pray for us as a church, Lord God, because I believe what we're stepping into now is so powerful and so beautiful that, Lord God, we don't want to be hindered or limping because of our past, because of unforgiveness. Lord, we we want to see each other, as the Bible says, 2 Corinthians, I think it's 5, when it says, we don't regard one another after the flesh. We see one another after the Spirit. We see one another as Christ sees one another. And where the enemy might have lied to us, we might have allowed that lie to creep in and to take root in our hearts and lives, even to put their their roots into our personality, into our actions, the way we respond, the way we see and act to that person. I thank you, Father, now that we just repent of that and we ask you now to wash us clean of all of that, Lord God. Well, you already are washed clean. We just receive. We receive. We receive, Lord God, that you have taken care of all of that, Lord God. And we put our eyes back on You. And we put our eyes back on our identity in Christ. And we say yes to all that You did, the finished work of the cross. And we say, Lord God, You said to put a God. We put a God, Lord God. We thank You that right now we declare we have the mind of Christ. We have the thoughts of God. Well, we every single day come into line with the thoughts of God. And thank You, Lord Jesus, that as a church, Lord God, we will no longer be a people that are limited in our expression of the love of God, but be a people that are just expressing God's love because we're so secure in who we are in Jesus' name. I pray this week, Lord God, that every single person would encounter and experience you working through their lives so powerfully because they won't allow the enemy to lie to them that they can't be loved. I pray today, Lord, that that as we wake up tomorrow morning, The barometer of our lives is Jesus and the finished work of the cross, not anything else. And so when we wake up, we go, okay, Lord, what can we do for you today? Lord, I pray I've said a whole bunch of stuff, but may you just uh, seal it and let the root of this word, the truth, go deep into our hearts. And may it be in the days ahead, bring forth an incredible harvest in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Love you so much. Have a beautiful afternoon. We'll see you Wednesday night for worship and prayer. Love you, guys.